by definition. I'm your host, Destiny Taylor. Each week I'll be discussing my life journey and where I am today. Sometimes I'll invite some friends or family on with a little chit chat as we explore the hilarious, inspiring, and pitfalls of life. We're back with Kimmy for part two of In the Beginning. Before we start, this podcast is dedicated to her mother. She's resting in peace. We love you. Well, do you mind if I talk about my experience with your mother? No, no, I don't mind at all. <laughs> okay, because this was the point where I was like, I really love Kimmy. Can we even be friends after this? <laughs> and I think right. I asked I you this. I, I think I asked you this, and then we like we met up and we had lunch, and I was just like, girl, like how can I ever? Like I think it was it was such a. I didn't understand it at the time. But now, like, mm-hmm. I'm so, so thankful. So this was around the time where I was leaving New York, or a little bit before, and it was, was it Thanksgiving? But It was between Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was around, yeah. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. around Thanksgiving of, like, 2013, right before I left New York. Um, I didn't have a place to live. So the whole gentrification thing started happening in Brooklyn and I was living with a girl who was in this apartment for like 11 years and I was just there for like two years. So she already, of course, had, you know, she knew everyone in the building. She had a relationship with the landlord. So when the landlord decided to sell the building, the new owners were removing everyone and so everyone was fighting it except for her and she was young so what she did was take the money that the new landlords offered her and then on top of that she was asking me for rent when now I have to look for a new place to stay so I ended up like couch surfing hardcore I never thought I would ever see the day but I'm so thankful for the experience that I had because it really helped me build my faith just to like stay strong through it all and even get to work on time. It was like, how can I ride this storm and still show up and do my job? So there was a point where, yeah, I moved in with a guy I was talking to and then I moved in with a girl that I was working with and you said, you know, oh, my mom just moved and she has a two bedroom and, you know, you pay her weekly or whatever. And so I went on Thanksgiving Day. It was on Thanksgiving Day. I went on Thanksgiving of 2013 and I went and saw the room and, you know, I saw you there and I think a couple of your family members were there. And so we agreed and, you know, I paid her and everything. And then the next week I was moving in. And so it was pretty far (laughs) where your mom lived super far, but I didn't even care. I was like, I just need a place to lay my head because I didn't see myself leaving New York at the time. So I, I went to your mom's when I moved in and I think I went away to like, Baltimore or something for like a day like I took the boat bus for the first time and it was like super cheap and I came home 
and it was really late and I had to get up and go to work in the morning. So I came home late. I got up in the morning. I went to work. And when I got off of work and I opened your mom's door, like I put my things down <laughs> and she said, mm-hmm. you know, she well, when I walked in, she was chanting. And mm-hmm. after she was done, she pulled me aside and she was like, you have to leave. And I was like, is there something mm-hmm. that I did wrong? Like, what did I do? And I just really, I felt really desperate and vulnerable. Like, my heart was just wide open in the winter in New York City. And she's like, no, it's nothing that you did. It's me. She's like, my anxiety. Like, I, you were gone and I didn't sleep. And it's like, if Kimmy was here and, you know, I'm worried about her. And, you know, I really didn't even understand the extent of her, her worry until you just gave me the beginning of the story at the start of this podcast you know with what happened with her on the train and everything I didn't know that so you know of of course like all these things are going through her head and you know she's treating me as if I was her daughter and she's worried about her daughter so therefore I'm living with her she's worried about me and it's really causing her a lot of pain you know so in order for her to feel good in her life she had to remove me even though I did nothing wrong I didn't understand it at the time but that was so powerful and you have to be a very strong person in order to remove someone just for for your mental health for your stability even though like I didn't, I didn't like break in. I didn't do all these negative things. It was just like, I right. need to feel safe in my space, in my state, in yeah. my mind. So yeah. that's what she did. So she said, okay, I'm going to give you all your money back. And yeah, you have to go. I was like, well, when do I have to leave? She was like, tomorrow. <laughs> and then, oh my God. yeah, mm-hmm. but I remember leaving for work the next day. And I thought to myself, I know who I am. I know what I have had. And I know the power that I hold. So I went into work and I just like, I got to go. I was on that long train from wherever in the Bronx she was. It was like super far up north all the way down to Soho. So that was like an hour and a half half train ride. And I was like, I'm moving to L.A. (laughs) And then at the same time, I'm like, can me and Kimmy still be friends? (laughs) Right, right. But which is, which is completely understandable. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was. Um, I mean, so many things had happened to me in that period that right. made my decision to LA to go to LA just like more of like okay yeah now it's definitely time for you to go you know and when I got to LA I just felt so good and I had my own place and I had my job and I had everything happening for me so when I started connecting with everything that happened to me in New York that was just the power of me moving forward it was a shift for me you know Because if I didn't have that state of being uncomfortable, I would have never moved out of it. I would have never, like, saw myself through it. I would have tried to stay in New York because I really didn't see myself leaving. But, you know, that's the plan that God had for me. It's not the plan that I had for myself. Right. Yeah. And so, like I said, when I walked in that door, your mom was chanting. And I know her chanting at that moment was giving her the peace that she need to know that she was making the right decision mm-hmm. and, the, and the strength to even yeah say what she needed to say because my mom you know has felt very um 
what is it? She's felt very, um, at times, like, people, like, she doesn't know how to communicate with people and um, very scared to to share her, you know, to, to share her voice. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. going through those experiences, too, like, made her more silent, you know? Yeah. In a way, so it, chanting definitely helped her be able to be strong, to be able to say what she need, what she needed in life. And um, during that during that time, I, I will I will share this with you. When I tell you, that was one of the things that I was mad at my mother about, like in life, like one of the top top three, I would say, <laughs> things that really upset me with my mom was the situation with you. And the reason. Why is because I asked my mother over and prior to you saying you needed a place to stay. My mother told me over and over that she really wants to rent out the second room bedroom. And I'm just like, Mom, are you sure? You know, you got lots of stuff going on mentally. You know, are you sure you'll be able to do that? You know, she's like, yeah, I'm just going to find someone, you know, a random person and they're going to move in. I'm like, Mom, that doesn't even make sense. Like, really? You know? Mm-hmm. And then... um it, like, around that time, she's just like, no, I could really use the money, blah, blah, blah. You know, nobody's in that room. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, no, I really I really could do this. And so then, you know, fast forward to you saying that you needed a place to stay. And she was, like, adamant about she knows that she can do she can do this. And you're, you were one of my good friends at the time. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, at least she knows you. So I, I felt like it would work because... She, because she was like somebody like me, and I'm like, if if she looks at you like she looks at me, like it's somebody that she knows, she'll feel comfortable. You know what I mean? And yeah. I kept saying to her, are you sure? Are you sure? Because I'm not, and I told her, I'm not going to tell Destiny that she can move in if you're not 100% like you, you will, you're, you're ready for this. Yes, Kemi. Yes. I wouldn't say that if blah, 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 blah. You sure? Are you sure? Yes, yes, okay, I'll tell her, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the fact that you didn't, like, she didn't even give you, a, like, a, like you weren't even there for a week. <laughs> and then she didn't even, she didn't even tell me. So when you, when you called me, that was when I found out that she did that. Do you understand? Like, when you called me and let me know what was happening is when I found out. She did not tell me she even had thought of you moving out. Nothing, like, she communicated none of that with me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't know she was going to have a talk with you about it. Nothing. Like, I was, like, completely blindsided. Like, when you called me and told me, I was like, what? Like, are you serious? Yeah. You know, like, so, um, so, yeah, it was just um, a, uh, a crazy situation. But I agree with you in terms of, like, you know, it takes a lot for a person to to basically realize, and especially her. Who, who is, you know, who is a lot of times used to kind of silencing her voice um, to be able to say, this is making me anxious and this is, you know, I'm, you know, like, I can't handle this and be able to remove, like, change the situation, yeah, you know? Yeah, 
I was very grateful for that, though. It hurt in the moment. But just like a yeah. lot of things, a lot of things hurt in the moment. But I have never yeah. been the, the one to hold grudges. Like, if I can change mm-hmm. my mind in a second, I would love to do that. Sometimes it takes a couple hours or a few days. But it, it will never be something that will shape my life into bitterness. You know? Yeah. Like, I will mm-hmm. look at it from a way, like, if that didn't happen then I would have never made it to this point. And I've always had to look at my life right. like that, especially, like I said before, with my mom staying married to my abuser and then me mm. meeting the friends that I've met because she did stay and then the things that I had to go right. through and learn because she did stay. So I don't want to mm. just say, you know, uh, it did, it did, of course, affect my relationship with her and it, still kind of does to this day but it's something that's being worked on like it's honestly being fixed like recording this podcast is a part of my healing and the more that I do it and now even stepping into my purpose where I know where I'm aligned spiritually now like everything is just so clear that I can't deny it anymore I can't deny it. So every time I do something or if I say something, it's going to affect everyone. And I want it to affect someone in a positive way, even my 50-year-old mother, you know, because there's so much for her to learn. And, you know, and I'm that vessel. Sometimes I hate to be that messenger because it it's painful sometimes to be a messenger but it's like then I guess this is what I have to do this is my job this is what I'm meant to do so Mm -hmm. even like you know I talked to you about like me going back to school then I was like I'm gonna go to divinity school (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when I made that decision and this was just like yesterday I was like oh my gosh like I have to stay focus I really have to stay focused so when your mom decided to remove me from her house for her mental state it's like me mm-hmm. trying to get over whatever heartbreak I have and knowing that yeah. I want to move forward and I'm, I won't be allowed to do that if I try to mend it with who I yeah. let break it in the first place you right. know? So, right. so it's right. like it's definitely a lesson for me and the fact that she was chanting before she did it and I know that you know when you chant I pray so it's like you know I I always needed I constantly needed to give me um strength to continue to move forward like no matter where I go so I'm just really so grateful to like have your friendship (laughs) yeah me too I'm definitely grateful for you and your friendship and I'm, I'm glad we were able to move past I'm glad you're able to find that um compassion and understanding and that you know like knowing that it it was never you you Mm -hmm. know it was never you you know it was it's my mom and it was my mom and how she had to deal with her you know her mental state and her mental health you know at that time I I I I do I I feel like I, I I always wished though she just pushed herself a little more when it came to you staying with her you know I I know that it had to happen that way yeah you know but like I I do feel that if my mother at the time was going to so so my mother in terms of uh, talk therapy I like I love going to therapy like I'm just gonna say that right now like it has helped me tremendously 
immensely. Like in these past 10 years, I'm not the same person that I was 10 years ago in Miami trying to down a bottle of pills. Like that is not me anymore. And that's because of therapy. And my mom, since she, you know, since she didn't go from when she first experienced all of her trauma, so she didn't, she didn't go to therapy until like 25 years later. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. 25 years later, think about that. You went through extreme trauma and not, not dealing with it for a whole 25 years. But that's what people you know? do. A lot I know. Of and do even, that. even when she, yeah. And even when she dealt with it, when it would get too tough, she would stop. You understand? Like when they're really getting to the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. she would find an excuse as to why she can't go to that therapist anymore. You know, up until, up until, you know, the last, you know, year of my mother's life, we would have discussions about, mom, are you going to therapy? Are you staying with this person? Blah, blah, blah. Like, it was a constant struggle. You know, I just, I do feel that if she was more consistent with it and, like, really pushed herself, I feel that she would have, because remember, it's about you being uncomfortable, you being vulnerable, and you just, like, living in that and, and like, letting that uncomfortability kind of pass, mm-hmm. right, to, in order to get to the next step. Mm-hmm. Like, she, you know, and I, I feel like if she was in talk therapy and she talked to a therapist, you know, about, like, how you living with her was making her feel and like her going back to when I was living with her and her staying up, you know, until I came back from like the club. I'm out, I'm out there living my best life. Well, meanwhile, my mother, my mother is like, you know, like up just like hanging out, like waiting for me, like looking all scared when it's like five o'clock in the morning when I'm, when I'm coming in, yeah. you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and like, you know, I know she was thinking in her mind, I'm not about to go back to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I really do feel though if she had the if she if she was consistent with therapy and she, if she really pushed herself, I just I wish I wish she did, and I wish you know because then that would have helped her. I feel let people, clo- you know, like be closer to her, and and it would just it would have just helped her trust people more, and just that would have helped her. I feel and in life you know but like you said everything happens for a reason Mm -hmm. and at that time she was still meant to be alone you know yep Mm -hmm. most definitely yeah so um do you mind us talking about the passing of your mother no i don't so you like i don't mind talking about anything i'm an open book okay you can talk about whatever you, you want to talk about so, you know, you did post a photo of you and your mom on Facebook. And, girl, you look so much like your mother. It's crazy. But, huh? as I said, you look so much like your mother. It's crazy. I know. But I know. Um, you did, you post a very beautiful message on Facebook about the Thank passing you. of your mom. Um, do you mind talking about it? Because you did say and you urged everyone to get their checkups and worry about their health know where they are with their health like so can you can you talk about that yeah of course so okay so my it's been it's been five weeks since my mom my mom passed away and my mom passed away from pancreatic cancer stage four 
and um, she passed 13 days after she found out and, and the rest of the family found out that she had cancer. And um, the thing about pancreatic cancer in particular is that it doesn't have extremely detectable signs. And most people find out that they have pancreatic cancer after it already spreads. Like, it doesn't show signs when it's in the pancreas, but when it goes gets to, like, another organ and stuff like that, that's when it shows signs. With my mom in particular, she had been feeling extremely weak for um, a total of three days. It was a Friday. She was supposed to go to work, and she said she couldn't get out of bed, and she was supposed to be there at 9, and she did not make it at work until 2, because that was when she was finally able to have enough energy to go to work. Then that weekend, she told me she stayed in bed the entire weekend. She didn't even remember if she ate. She didn't even remember that she went to the bathroom. But when she told me that, I said to her, Mom, that is not that does not sound normal. You need to call your doctor Monday morning and see what they say. They told her to go to the emergency room. I, I was at work. I didn't speak to her. Like, I tried to call her a couple times when I was at work. I didn't get an answer. My partner and I went to the to, to, to the hospital. And at the time, long story short, we were there with her for a few hours. The doctor, that's when we found out in the emergency room after they did a CAT scan that she had pancreatic cancer. I have never heard of anyone ever finding out that they had cancer in the emergency room. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and, yeah, and that they saw that it already spread to her liver. Like, they could see that from the CAT scan. And so uh, I didn't really know what pancreatic cancer was, but I know cancer. You know, you hear the word cancer. Mm -hmm. My mother didn't really, you know, she heard it, but she didn't, like, it didn't, it didn't register for her. Because when my partner, Wendy, asked her, like, do you know what that means? Like, do you have any questions, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, the doctor said that, but then he said a whole bunch of stuff. You had this necrotic mass and this, this and a third and this bed tissue. Like, he was just going on and on and just like, okay, what, what does that mean, you know? Um, when Wendy asked her, do you know what that means? And she said, yeah, the doctor said he thinks I have cancer. She didn't even realize that he was saying, like, it's not a thought, like, you have, like, it's, you have it, you know? Mm -hmm. And once my partner kind of made it clear, like, no, I'm sorry, but, you know, he's saying that you do, you do have it, you know? She's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to fight through it, and this and that and the third, you know, she said she was going to fight through it, but um, her body was just too weak, and, um, you know, she wasn't able to, to fight. It, it just, it just spread too fast. And, you know, and and she passed 13 days later in, in the hospital. She didn't even make it home, mm. you know. Yeah. So how do you and see so, it? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I think uh, so. The way I feel about that is mental health and physical health is extremely important. My mom, up until like her finding out she had cancer, she was trying she was trying to get all of that in you know, under control. She didn't like her doctor three months before. We changed her, the place where she was getting her, you know, her physical done, you know. It's like she was on this road to try to get her mental and her physical health, like, in order because she 
felt very overwhelmed by her mental and physical health. And so I feel that her mental health is kind of tied in with her physical health in a, in a, in a fact, in, in the, in the, to the degree of when I was growing up, I remember my mom would check herself into the hospital. She would go to the hospital like every day, like, to the emergency room because she always thought something was wrong with her, you know? Mm-hmm. And this was the last, like, she was worried about my mother because of her mental health, you know, and, like, her lack of, like, really, really taking charge of it. Um, she always thought that something was wrong with her, you know? Like, and she always kind of focused on the wrong thing, if that makes any sense. Like, I remember one time she said that she had like her arm went numb or something like that. But then with that, she didn't take, she didn't, she was supposed to get like, she was supposed to, she, and she went to the emergency room for it and she was supposed to get, um, follow-ups, but she didn't do that. But then it's like with something so small, like I have a twitch in my eye and she will just focus on that for like days. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. What she focused on was never, was never. I feel the appropriate thing, and I think part of that was because her mental health wasn't wasn't right. You mm-hmm. know, she wasn't she wasn't taking charge of that enough to have the the clarity or the rationale to say, okay, this is not what I need to be focused on. I need to really be focused on this. Yeah, you yeah. know. Hmm. And I feel that people think that just because you can't see mental, like mental health is not something that you could visually see at times, it's still as important, if not more important than your physical health. Because if you're not right mentally, how are you going to take care of your physical? Yeah. For me, myself, I was so, I was so anxious of going to the doctor. I don't even know if you know this. I didn't go to the doctor for seven years. I didn't get a checkup mm. because I was, I mentally, I was a mess with me. Like mentally, in my mind, I had a, don't ask me why. Cause I, I didn't, I didn't have a partner that had a, or was HIV positive. N- none of that, N- none of that. But for some reason, because they say that, you know, AIDS and HIV runs rapid in African-American, you know, young people. Because of that, I I thought I had AIDS. And I was so scared. And, and every time I went to the, to, the, to the doctor, I felt like they told me something was wrong. You know, like, when you're young, you're not protecting yourself the way you, you, you should be. Sometimes you get STDs, you know. And yes, yeah. they're being, they, they were treated and stuff like that and, and all that, but... Because when I went to the doctor, you know, and they told me something was wrong, I felt like for some reason I had this, I developed this fear that I'm really, I'm sick, you know? Mm-hmm. And I actually didn't, I did not take care of my, my physical health because my mental state was not right. And that is so imperative. And I'm glad that you said that because there are probably so many people out there and young people who don't go and get the checkup that they need. Like just even for that assurance, you know, that you are yeah. OK, you know, and even to mm-hmm. take the next step to be OK. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you brought that up, honestly. Like, yeah. my mom had cervical cancer. I was 15 years old. She was 35. Yeah, she was 35. I'll be 35 mm-hmm. next year. Mm-hmm. And um, it was so crazy because when I was younger, I would have dreams of my mother being sick and I would always wake up crying. And there was one dream that I did have that she had breast cancer, but it just so happened that she had cervical cancer. And uh, she mm-hmm. had a hysterectomy at 35. And this is after having three kids. So, you know, she was done having kids. So the hysterectomy didn't really matter to her because she she had her family already. And Mm -hmm. because of that, like I constantly like I get checked up at first. It was like every year the requirement. Then it's now every two years. So Mm -hmm. I'm very like keen on like going and especially getting my womanly exams. Like I have to go and do that. But I also Mm -hmm. know that my lifestyle Because I can't sit here and say that it's genetic. It's genetic if that thought that allowed my mother to live the way that she lived got into me. And now I live the same way that she lived. That's genetic. It starts with a thought. And it also starts with Mm -hmm. with your habits, your eating habits. And my lifestyle is very different than my mom's, you know, Mm -hmm. now and when she was my age. So... This past Thanksgiving, we were having the conversation with her because my sister's about to be 32. And she kept saying, you know, you 30-year-olds and, you know, you guys need to do this and do that. And we looking at her and we was like, hey, our 30 is different than your 30. (laughs) Like, the way that we treat ourselves is so different than the way you treated yourself when you were 30, like, 20 years ago because you know my sister's a single parent and the way that she parents is very different than the way that my mom parents my sister's also a foster parent she's also a teacher so she's really taking these kids and like putting their lives in her hands and making sure that they have what they need and that's one of the reasons why she started to become a foster parent because she saw a lot of needy students in her class that she had to feed and she had to clothe and I've never saw my mom give a handout to anyone else in that way especially not a child and also with me I'm not married I don't have children I've lived abroad for two years um I'm getting down to a very holistic lifestyle and that's something that she doesn't understand so we we're not in agreement with anything right now because she doesn't understand the way that I live but because I signed up for school, she's like, oh, I'm proud of you. Girl, you should have been proud of me when I made it home from Italy. <laughs> like, right. You should have been proud right. of me when my plane landed because I went somewhere that you've never been, you know. Yeah. And now that I'm, I'm yeah. back and I'm trying to find my ground in Texas and now I'm like, okay, I'm not going to move, but I am going to travel more. Because when I started Mm -hmm. traveling abroad, it wasn't just going back and forth. It was like, up, I'm gone, and I'm staying gone. Now I'm like, I'll go back and forth. I'm going to go to school. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Now I'm at a place where she understands. And I think also the years that have gone by where she's seen my growth. And she's seen Mm -hmm. the people that I talk to and how I'm I'm effective. Like when I speak and when I'm um, trying to get something across. 
you know, and she looks at me and, and now she, she understands where I'm coming from. And it took time. So now our relationship yeah. is getting a little bit better. It's slowly getting better. I mean, that's good. Yeah. I'm, it's getting better. I'm proud of that sure. because of, you know, because when I told her about the abuse when I was like 11 years old, that's when I stopped talking to her. That's when I became uncomfortable talking to her because I didn't see an action behind what was going on with me. So I I felt like she never cared and I didn't feel protected, you know. So now it was like, who can I trust if I can't trust my mother? And and right. now that I find myself healing from all of that and like actually going down, because I I've never done therapy, mm-hmm. and I've heard you know like when it does get down to the tough situations, people kind of like they they come out and they don't want to go back because they don't want to relive that oh, yeah. moment. Like I feel like oh, I yeah. I was forced to live in that moment. And now I'm forced to heal, but I'm not healing by myself. I'm also healing with you because you are allowing me to have this conversation with you and to share it on a platform where anyone can hear it. Yeah. Even if it's like 15 people, it's still available for everybody. Yeah, that's that's exactly why when you um, asked me to be on the podcast and you said that, you know, I asked, well, what what do you want to talk about? Because... Our conversations, we talk about everything. So yeah. I had no idea where you wanted to go with this podcast, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you want to talk about sexuality, you know, which I'm open to that too. You know, like whatever. And um, when you said mental health, like I'm like, yes, 100%, 1,000%, I, I, I want to do it. Because I know that it's something that, you know, I have seen my, you know, people in my family struggle with you know, in just the African-American community in general, just like, I mean, I see so many people that are like really going through it and then they're not, they're not like going to therapy. Like, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't get why people just stay stuck in that situation, like, and not realize like it can be better, like, you, but you have to address these things, you know, you have to address the elephants in the room, you know, um, therapy you know, mental health is a lifelong journey. You know, it's a lifelong journey. And even even today when you checked in with me before um, we, we started recording, you know, I told you I was 100 with you and, and I told you that, you know, you asked me how I was doing and I said, look, today is rough, you know, because I'm, I'm dealing with this, this loss. And I, I had my little therapy session like 15 minutes before we started doing this and, even though it was a rough day, I didn't. I did not want to have my therapy session. I did not at all. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I was. I've been crying today, yesterday. I was like, no. Like, I don't care if I, you know. I just need to have this therapy session. This is when I need to have it. You know, not when I'm feeling good, but when I'm feeling bad. You know, like yeah. this is when it's imperative. Like that's when you really need to push yourself when you don't want to do it. There's been plenty of times in my 10 years of going to therapy in which I'm like, I really don't want to do this today. Like, do I have to talk about that? Do I have to talk about what happened when I was like, you know, 10 years old or whatever? Do I really have to rehash, you know, that day when my dad told me he threw out this letter that I, you know, wrote professing, like telling him, 
how I felt growing up. You know, like, do I have to talk about that? Do I have to relive that? Yeah, the answer is yes, I do. In order to move past it, in order for it to not to not take control over me anymore, in order to really live your best life, you do, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's, and there's, and I think what a lot of people don't know is that there's a lot of different types of therapy out there. There is some therapy that, that is, it's about you, where you're at in your life right now. They don't care about, or they don't go over your childhood. They don't talk about none of that. They talk about what, where you are right now, and they give you tools to, 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 to handle your life on a day-to-day from this point forward, you know? Mm-hmm. There's other. There's also therapy that is like they give you tasks, they give you homework, they give you, you know, I think it's called cognitive therapy. I mean, there's all these different types. Like I'm not a, a an expert, but there's all there's so many different types of therapy um, for all different types of people. You know, so you don't have to you you don't have to feel that you know therapy is just not for you. Trust me, there is a therapy out there for everyone. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I really wish a lot of people, especially in the African-American community, that we actually, like, got up and we comprehended what therapy can actually do for us. And sometimes it's not enough to talk to the pastor. (laughs) Like, sometimes it's not enough because you have some out there who are just so judgmental and you don't need you don't need that at a point in your life where you are trying to be vulnerable like you don't need that at all Mm -hmm. um and one of the types of therapy that I want to get into is holistic therapy because I want to get down to the core of it all like how your personality has formed from things that have happened in the past and how can we get Mm -hmm. back to our original selves and all that for me just happened within this year I was just like okay who am I without all of this you know can I be a sexual being without saying yeah I was sexually abused as a kid you know like I've never got into alcohol or drugs or prostitution or anything and that Mm -hmm. affected how I responded in relationships yes but I, I don't want to sit here and say that, you know, I'm sexual because of what happened to me. It's like I can be that right. with without that even happening to me. Like I need to know that. You, right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like because I, I, I had to yeah. question myself about that this year. And one of my closest friends asked me that. Well, do you feel that way because of what happened? Oh, no, 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 no. I feel that way because that's just who I am. And if that didn't right. happen to me. You know, I think I would still be this way. I still I think I would still be very expressive with my sexuality in a relationship. So, you know, I don't want to use that. And and it's not that. That's just what it is. That is not why I am the way that I am. Like, I can love. I can be monogamous. (laughs) And I also I want to be in a relationship where I can feel desired so I don't think that has anything to do with the trauma that I had before it's just me really getting down to who I'm meant to be without that trauma happening or just healing from it right yeah I'm so glad that you decided to record 
with me today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Check back in next week for a new podcast. It's 2020. We're taking our goals and health journey serious. I'm already seeing tremendous changes within myself and the people around me. We're keeping this thing here going for real, for real. I hope you're inspired. For more Untitled by Definition extras, follow Untitled by Definition on Instagram and join the community by using the hashtag Untitled by Definition. We're here to challenge the norm and break generational curses. Also, follow me at Des Untitled and I'll be forever grateful if you like, subscribe, and share on Apple Podcasts.